I was just uh, sitting here thinking. Uh, I got driven here this morning by, uh, by Rabbi Tony. And when you're, gonna get, when you're gonna driven somewhere, you need three things besides gas. You need, uh, you need brakes, you need uh, a steering wheel, and you need an accelerator. It occurs to me that some of us uh, need accelerators when it comes to the life and the spirit. We need, um, uh, we need to have our, our, our expectations and our aspirations heightened. Some of us need steering wheels because uh, we're, off to, we're apt to go off in all kinds of directions, you know? And some of us need brakes because uh, uh, we're just going crazy in, in some way. So uh, some of you need brakes today. Some of you need steering wheels. Some of you need accelerators. And I'm hoping that I can, uh, can give you uh, what you need. So uh, let's take a look at uh, encountering the Ruach without countering the Ruach. Encountering the Ruach without countering the Ruach. First century Yeshua believers saw themselves fundamentally not as forgiven sinners, but as a community of the Spirit. They, they believed that the age to come had arrived, and they saw themselves as the community of the Spirit. And they had an experience, they had a, a realm of experience to back it up. Uh, it wasn't just something they believed, it was something that they entered into, that they, they, uh, uh, they participated in. We're promised in Scripture a spiritual dynamism that was sought and experienced in the first century. And without that dynamism, our lives become somewhat weak and vulnerable, and we, we can fail to be agents of transformation in God's world. So this is not the souped-up version of Yeshua faith. This is not for the elite. This is not for the hotshots. This is the norm so let's take a deeper look for a moment. Repeatedly, we're promised a transformational spiritual dynamism. For example, Yeshua was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. She said, and he says to her, so, you know, if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water welling up to eternal life. The promise is of a well of water within you welling up to eternal life. In John chapter 7, on the last day of the feast, Hoshana Rabbah, uh, uh, the, the last day of Sukkot, the added on day, uh, uh, Yeshua stands up and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now that's very experiential, is it not? It's not just an idea. The promise, the expectation, is that we would have these rivers of living water, but then it said something very important. It said, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Yeshua had not yet been glorified. Because it is Yeshua who pours forth the Spirit, and he couldn't pour forth the Spirit until he had died for us, for our sins, risen from the grave, and ascended to the Father's right hand. And it was from there that he pours forth the Spirit. And that's why in Acts chapter 2, that's what happens in Acts chapter 2, the Yeshua pours forth the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, and uh, Peter stands up and preaches a sermon, as you remember, and the people, and he says, you know, uh, he, he talks about all these various figures in, in history and about how the Jewish people had rejected the messages that God sent, 
And finally, they culminated that in rejecting the Messiah whom God sent. And then the, the crowd is really struck. They're, 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 they're grief-stricken. And they say, they say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them all, Repent and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, does that include you? Are you somewhere in there? Yes, you are. But uh, now, what's the promise? Uh, the religious reaction is, well, the promise that we go to heaven. He's not talking about heaven here. I'm not against it, you know. Uh, uh, Oh, the promise is forgiveness of sins. Well, not exactly. The promise is the promise of this dynamic, transformational presence, living presence of God in our lives. And again, this is not the souped-up version, the hyped-up version. It's not even the strictly Pentecostal version of the truth. It is what the Bible teaches. In Luke chapter 11, we read, If you, uh, if you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, um, we're supposed to be people who expect this, who look for it, who ask for it. You know, you just don't. One of the things I want to fight against today is passivity. You know, people think, well, if God wants me to have it, He'll make me, He'll see that I have it. That's not what the Scripture encourages you to do. Yeshua says, if anyone is thirsty. Let him come to me and drink. Drink is an action you take. So, uh, this was an experienced reality, not simply a doctrinal assumption. It isn't just that people said, well, we know we got it because the Bible says it. And that's not exactly what it means. Uh, Paul, in writing to the Galatians, he asked them a question in chapter 3. He says, did you receive the Spirit through works of the law or through hearing with faith? Now, he's pointing back to an experience they all had. He's saying, when that happened, how did it happen? So, they needed to have a happening. They, the assumption is they had a happening experience of the Spirit. And... Um, that's something which is the norm. It's not souped up. It's not hyperventilating. It's not nostril flaringly. It is, it is just normal. And you don't have to act wacko. And some people do, and that's wrong. Because it's bad, it's bad advertising for God. If God makes people crazy, then who wants to know a God like that who makes people nuts? You know? In Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to the Ephesus, and he meets some believers. There's a dozen of them who, who are disciples. And then he asks him a question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, why did he ask him that question? Because he meets these guys, and he's, there's something missing. There's something. Why is he asking that question? He's saying, i gotta, I got to ask you a question. Did, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No. That's the assumption is that the Spirit should be a present reality to them. And they say, no, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. 
We're disciples of John the Baptist. He told us about a Messiah who was to come. We believe that. But they had no idea about the coming of the Spirit. So Paul fills them in, lays hands on them, and shazam. Okay. So this is an experienced reality, not simply a doctrinal assumption. It was something that is promised, but which should also be sought. Now, I want to get something clear. You must realize that every single one of you here who is a Yeshua believer has the Spirit. Because you cannot come to faith in Yeshua without the Spirit. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8, verse 9, If anyone does not have the Spirit, he is a Messiah, he does not belong to him. So you cannot be a believer without the Spirit. But there are various ways of engaging with and experiencing the Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about four ways that we engage with and experience the reality of the Spirit. But I want to get it clear to you that we are all baptized by the Spirit into the body of Messiah. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about how Yeshua baptizes us in his Spirit. This is not how the Spirit baptizes us into the body, but how Yeshua activates the Spirit in our lives. Following me? Good. Okay. So... Four, what I might call, four modalities of the experience of the Spirit. First is the Spirit prior. Would you say that, the Spirit prior? Right. The Spirit was at work in your life before you came to believe in Yeshua. Yeshua said, no one can come to me except the Father draw him. The Spirit is at work in our life prior to our even coming to Yeshua faith. How many of you can testify to the fact that looking back over your life, yeah, that was going on? Okay. Well, it's true, whether you testify to it or not. It's the way it is. So first is the spirit prior. Secondly is the spirit within. Would you say that for me? The spirit within. The spirit comes to dwell within us uh, and, and uh, gives us the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Uh, the, the, the fruits of the spirit are, are, are generated by the spirit within us. The Spirit illumines the Scripture to us. The Spirit uh, uh, testifies to us that we are children of God. We all experience the Spirit within. You got it? The Spirit prior, the Spirit within. But there's also the Spirit upon. Now, this is not something that I made up. You just open up your Bible, you'll find it. Unless you've got a lousy translation, in which case, get a better translation. <laughs> the Spirit upon. Let me give you an example. And uh, I was talking to John Maternko recently, and he pointed out a text that I was going to point out anyway. And towards the end of the Gospel of John, after the resurrection, Yeshua was in the upper room with the disciples, and he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when he did that, shazam, they received the Holy Spirit. But then he says, you're not yet ready to go out and minister. You spent three and a half years with me? After the resurrection, they spent 40 days getting a seminar in the kingdom of God. He says, you're not ready yet. Do not go until the Spirit comes upon you, empowering you. You understand this? So this is the third modality. The Spirit prior, the Spirit within, the Spirit upon. The Spirit upon us is, is the language of empowerment that enables us to testify um, with great weight to who Yeshua is, and also to do uh, the works of Yeshua, to extend his presence in the world. That's the Spirit upon us. And this is something 
that happens can happen repeatedly. And some people talk about the initial, the initial, is that me? Let's see, let's see. It's, 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 Billy, yeah, it's Billy Graham, oh, later. Uh, it's uh, the Spirit upon us, enabling us. To, when the Spirit comes upon people in the book of Acts, one of the things it creates is prophetic speech. Prophetic speech is weighty words from God, words that carry certain, a certain divine weight. Doesn't mean King James English. Doesn't mean changing your tone of voice. It doesn't mean, oh, my children. Uh, it means that you, your words become more, more spiritually weighty, and you may not even realize it. Uh, so prophetic speech and also uh, testifying to Yeshua and doing the works of Yeshua. So we've got the spirit prior, the spirit within, the spirit upon, and finally the spirit among. And you read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14. There's a special way in which the spirit is present in the gathered assembly of believers, that the Spirit distributes gifts among the believers as he will, and the body of Messiah functions like a body. Uh, the kidney, uh, lungs, a spleen, uh, a, a circulatory system, whatever. We all have a, a role to play in the body, and we're gifted to do that when the community is gathered. So these are the four things. The Spirit prior, the Spirit within, the Spirit upon, the spirit among. Now, there's a lot to teach about all of this, but not today. I want to give you, before I go, four cautions. Um, because you need a steering wheel, and you need brakes. Because a lot of communities have gone gung-ho about things like this, and they just go careening off the edge of the cliff. So you need brakes, and you need a steering wheel. Some of you may not have any patience for brakes or steering wheels. That's why you should never have a driver's license. <laughs> so, let's look at this. Number one, the first danger is passivity. The first danger is saying, well, I don't know, and I don't really need that, and I just want to praise the Lord and sit on the couch and watch television. Uh, you, need, you need to be stirred up. You need, to, you need to realize, is this all there is? Why should anybody want to believe what you believe when your life is so pathetic? You know, you need to have a greater aspiration. Uh, you need, I, I want to stir you up to go forth from this place and say, God, I want everything you want me to have. Amen. I am opening up the channel of availability to you. God, whatever it is, however you want me to be touched by, the, by your presence in the world, here I am. Take me. Don't be passive. Number two, the second danger is what I call the principle of restrained exceptionalism. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the Corinthian congregation, which was so full of itself and so enthusiastic and so, uh, uh, so uh, accelerated, but without a brake or a steering wheel, that he had to come in and, and put up, a, put up you know, a sign that said, slow down. And he said... Suppose you're all gathering together and you're all speaking in tongues and a person who's uninitiated or is not part of your group or an unbeliever walks in, won't he say you're nuts? That's what Paul says. We have a responsibility not to behave in a way where the Jewish community thinks we're cuckoo. 
I want you to hear me. Don't be self-indulgent. You got to be fire in the heart, ice in the head. You know? Passionate. But you got to have some seichel. The principle of restrained exceptionalism. People say, well, hallelujah, we're, 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 we're a messianic congregation. We're filled with the spirit. The normal rules don't apply. Yes, they do. Don't think you need to restrain this sense of being exceptional. And, uh, and you need to follow Paul's principle. Don't behave in a way where other people will think you're nuts. When the spirit comes upon us, who do we become more like? Yeshua, bullseye. We don't become more like the local television evangelist. We become more like Yeshua. We become what, norm, what normal humanity is supposed to be. Okay? So, watch out for passivity. Watch out for the principle of restrained exceptionalism. Thirdly, there's a need for discernment. Uh, Paul says uh, to the Corinthians, again, when you gather together, let two or three prophets speak. These are people with a reputation for an intuitive uh, sensitivity to what God wants to say to the community. They have a reputation for an intuitive sensitivity to what God wants to say to the community. He says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. What does that mean? The Greek word is diakrino, discern, sift it. Um, don't just accept it because somebody says, well, the Lord told me to say this, and then everybody's supposed to bow down and say, oh, hallelujah. No, no, no. You say, I'll think about that. You need to exercise communal discernment. You understand? Okay. Fourthly, linkage. This is a Messianic congregation. It's not just a church of Jews. Uh, your bulletin says that's not what you are, and the bulletin is absolutely right. You're not a church of Jews. You're a community of Jews that have some Gentiles attached, but you live within the Jewish world. We read in Ezekiel 36, verse 27, that at the end of time, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to bring the Jewish people back to Torah living. The Spirit has not come upon us to deliver us from being Jews. We, now, it's a lot more fun to speak in tongues, lay hands on people and say hallelujah than it is to learn to uh, inhabit Jewish life in a spiritually rich way. But the Bible says that at the end of time, God is going to bring the Jewish people back to Torah living in the power of the Spirit, Ezekiel 36, 27. And the next chapter, Yeshua himself is going to bring the Jewish people back to Torah living. Now, it's a different kind of Torah living in that it's infused with the Spirit. And, and we get that from Jeremiah 31, that uh, he'll write the Torah on our hearts. It'll, but still, it's returning to living meaningful Jewish lives. So I beg you, I implore you, I admonish you. Don't think that the Spirit has come upon you and now you can forget all that Jewish stuff. No, you need to learn how to do it in a manner that is filled with his spirit. So, in conclusion, just a brief summary. The spirit prior, the spirit within, the spirit upon, the spirit among, and avoid passivity. Remember the principle of restrained exceptionalism. 
Remember the need for discernment. Fire in the heart, ice in the head. And linkage. Some years ago, I was in uh, Ukraine with Michael Schiffman. And I was putting on tefillin. And I had a moment's realization. I realized I'm right now geographically as close as I've ever been to the place where my father was born, where my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, that whole side of the family, my grandmother, all of them were from that area. And I am putting on these tefillin, and I am doing something that all of these ancestors did for generation after generation. And I felt a holy sense of linkage. We who are Jews in this congregation, and also the Gentiles who are here to assist, we have a responsibility to be a living link between the Jewish past and the Jewish future. I have a metaphor I teach, but the football metaphor, that Jewish life is like a football that is passed from generation to generation. My father dropped the ball. I picked it up. I'm passing it on to my son. He is also carrying the ball. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to drop the ball? I'll pass it on. Shabbat Shalom. Now, we're going to have a time of prayer, uh, um, because a, a time of healing prayer. The Spirit of God is among us. The Spirit among. Um, you don't have to drum this up. You don't have to, you know, we don't have to need the gospel according to adrenaline. There are some fellowships where you have the gospel according to adrenaline. At this time, you have a lot of pumped up music, so people go totally gaga. You don't need pumped up music just need to realize that God is here. And there's going to be prayer for healing uh, of, of some of you. And uh, God and his grace may, may, may touch your lives in ways that he touched touch Sandy over here. And uh, he is the one to be praised. Let's give thanks for his graciousness to us. And for the fact that Yeshua died and rose again so that he could send forth the Spirit, so that the presence of God could be in the midst of his people.